I'm Allie Weiss, and I'm obsessed with the people, ideas, and experiences that break the rules, beat the odds, or are considered socially unacceptable. And this is season four of Tales of Taboo. Each week, I gather anonymous confessions from my listeners around the world who have existed in elusive subcultures, ventured down the road less traveled, made serious mistakes, and achieved extraordinary victories. Some of them call my hotline, and others will send written stories for me to read. These confessions are raw, they're honest, they're even downright shocking sometimes, but they always deliver the most incredible life lessons and encourage us to consider why we're all so afraid to be different. And for season four, I'm introducing a brand new twist. I'm starting each episode with my own no-holds-barred, on-the-record confession about the topic we are discussing. This week, it's the world of foreign fiancés and green card marriages. Let's get into it. Usually when I'm brainstorming topics for this show, uh, at least over the course of the last season, I like to choose things that I have at least some relation to or understanding of. Even if I have not directly experienced it, I want to have enough familiarity to actively participate in the conversation and provide some sort of insight. Uh, Today's topic is something that I'm absolutely fascinated by, but pretty far removed from, and that is the world of foreign fiancés and green card marriages. I have really enjoyed exploring unconventional relationship dynamics this season and this idea that sure, yes, love totally knows no bounds, but only if that love exists within the parameters of what is considered socially acceptable, i.e. monogamous, close in age, close in geographic location, I find it amusing that we live in a time where it is so normal to use apps to have sex with and date complete strangers, most of whom users have zero chance of ever meeting organically without that app. But as a society, we still kind of judge people who choose to have long distance relationships. Or, you know, sometimes we openly, heavily judge them. I think there's an assumption that the two parties in the relationship, especially when they live in different countries, are struggling to find romance on their own home turf and have no choice but to look elsewhere. It's like, oh, you're down to go weeks, if not months, without having sex, and you're cool to cuddle your iPhone while you FaceTime somebody instead of their actual body, and you fantasize about your partner more than you spend actual time with them? Like, yikes, dude. And actually, now that I think about it, I guess I do kind of have a personal connection to this topic, because my boyfriend and I, my last boyfriend, uh, were long distance. He he lives in L.A. while I obviously live in New York City. It was my first time ever building an entire relationship from the ground up, from a distance, and from that far of a distance too. I, I didn't give much second thought to diving into it because it was clear to me that he was the right person at the time and that I would gain something from the experience. And it was true. We really, really loved each other. But if I'm being honest, I was tired of all of my casual dating and really wanted to be in a relationship when we met. And I was more willing to make sacrifices to have one then than I would be now. By the time we broke up, both of us admitted that many elements of our relationship did not feel real. Like We never spent more than two weeks together at a time, and even that amount was kind of rare. And when we were together, we were attached at the hip. Uh, We lived in each other's homes like a married couple from the very start, like before we even fully knew each other. And how much could we know each other past a certain point? 
right? Because the relationship didn't integrate into our pre-existing independent lives. It was siloed off. Neither of us was ever in the other person's city for long enough to establish real friendships with their friends. And, you know, we worked in completely different industries and we only had two mutual friends who we shared and they were married and, and not really connected to the rest of our social scene. Ultimately, both of us knew that we wouldn't be able to really evaluate our feelings for each other and the potential for longevity until we lived separately in the same city. But what if in the real world, one or both of our feelings weren't the same? And we also knew that one of us uprooting our entire life and moving across the country for the sole reason of being with the other person had a super high risk of creating bitterness and resentment. Like, I'm a big romantic. I'm eager to be seduced and showered in affection and, and with someone by any means necessary. But I'm also a realist. And all of this is why our relationship ultimately ended. It made me extremely sad for a long time, but it was undoubtedly the right choice. Look, this is an episode about foreign fiancés and green card marriages and not long-distance relationships, but think about it. Like, minus any cultural differences and language barriers and legal trouble, the struggles are fundamentally the same. And ironically, the first TV show that my ex and I ever watched together was 90 Day Fiancé. I immediately became obsessed with it, obviously. Um, you know, as someone who's worked in both television and like sensational media, if you want to call it that, for about seven years, I'm highly aware that good content is made from extreme versions of reality. I'm also aware that most people who sign on to a reality show like 90 Day Fiancé are how do I put this tastefully? Uh, not members of the intellectual elite. <laughs> but even with that knowledge, I still found myself disgusted by the relationship dynamics on my screen and like thought that they were deeply amusing, but pathetic. Um, you know, by the time I started casting this season, from both my personal experience with long distance and my fanaticism over this show, I found myself really skeptical of green card marriages. And anytime I'm skeptical of something, I'm, I'm eager, very eager to have my mind changed or at least expanded. So here we are. Uh, as with any other episode of Tales of Taboo, our anonymous confessors experiences very greatly because that's what it means to be a human. But whether they speak from a positive or a negative viewpoint, um, sharing stories of real, special, all-encompassing love or uh, straight-up fraud, I hope you'll walk away with respect for their honesty and their self-awareness. And perhaps you'll walk away with a little more respect for the diversity of people's life choices in this crazy world that we all call home. So without further ado, this is Tales of Taboo depending on where you live in the world, especially since Trump was elected in the United States, marrying someone from another country is often a really taboo thing. So my husband and I have been together for about five years, married for the last three of them. I'm American. I'm not going to say where he's from, specifically, but he is African. We got married in January of 2020. And after we got married, we actually spent the entirety of 2020 and 2021 living with my husband's family. So that was quite an adjustment. No real honeymoon period, just move in with the in-laws, which was quite a culture shock. So he and I actually met on Tinder. I was working in a really rural village teaching, and he lived in a, another really rural part, and both of us just really needed to meet people our own age who were single and didn't have kids. <laughs> And we met on Tinder, and then we actually ended up becoming friends first. 
And then after a year of being friends, I decided I was ready to not be friends anymore and to start becoming more than friends. We decided to get married because economic prospects were really horrible in his country. And I was dissatisfied with my job that it wasn't a long-term position. And so we actually wanted to move to Asia and teach together. But the country that we were looking at, it was not possible to move together unless you were married. And so we knew that we wanted to get married, but those jobs definitely sped up our timeline by, I would say, at least three to six months, maybe even more. I think he would have been content with dating for like another year at least. But because of those jobs, we did need to be married. He said that after we got married, though, he knew it was the best decision. I felt less rushed. But then after we got married, I was the one that was suddenly moved in with their in-laws. And so that was that was pretty hard for me, especially at the beginning. I mean, everybody was dealing with the stress of COVID and with all these lockdowns. But then in addition to that, his family typically does not speak English in their home. And I had only been learning their language for about a year and was not very good at it yet. And there was also a lot of cultural barriers. I am a very liberal, would definitely self-describe as a lot of political things that were quite the opposite of his family. And I was often reminded of that. So on that note, our relationship has received a lot of negative comments, both in America and back in his home country. His ethnic group is very close and it's very rare for anyone to marry outside of the ethnic group and in his family in particular it doesn't really happen and they're very proud of their ethnicity and of their language and so it, it was definitely a shock to his family when he first started bringing me around and then at parties and stuff there's often this idea of American women abroad that they're very slutty and we'll just sleep with anyone. And so we also would get a lot of comments about that. And then in the U.S., so many negative comments. I mean, I had somebody say, oh, you know how African men are. They can't help but cheat. Ironically, this person had been cheated on by at least three husbands. And there are, you know, people that I'll see in our town that are wearing tattoos that clue me out that they're members of nationalist organizations and so we are very uncomfortable being in spaces with them because it it actually feels dangerous but there's also been a lot of support of our relationship a lot of his friends like his friends really I clicked with them very quickly and my family adores him and Honestly, my my parents like him more than me. And when we moved to the U.S., we actually chose a town with a really high immigrant population to try to avoid some of those issues. But I mean, they've still happened. His family was really surprised to learn that I am poor and that I'm from what is definitely a very poor part of the U.S. His family is some of them are like quite wealthy for his country and then some of them are not. So it was a mixed bag there. There was definitely not respect for our relationship in the beginning. However, I did earn respect of my in-laws through the way that I responded to being in lockdown together with COVID. I worked really hard to learn the language and to speak exclusively the preferred language at home because I did understand the importance of that. We recently had our first child and he looks exactly like my husband. I mean, they are copy-paste. I'm not sure my genetics were involved at all. And that has sealed the deal because now his family's like, oh, there's this, he's the first grandchild and he looks exactly like them and everyone's thrilled. So that's really sealed the deal. Living in the U.S. has been hard for both of us. I lived overseas for the better part of a decade and only we only moved back to the U.S. just because COVID hit where we were living so hard and just devastated the economy. And it was not, it was literally impossible to find jobs. We hope to move 
abroad again, either to go back to his home country or to eventually make it to Asia, which is where we had wanted to be in the first place. We have done the visa interview both in the U.S. and in his home country. His home countries was funnier. We had to answer questions about who does the dishes and what do our bedrooms look like and what was the last gift we gave each other. In the U.S., we had to make our social media profiles public that our agent could look at them. And we had to submit some pictures and some affidavits stating that our relationship was true. But at that point, I was pregnant and we had been together for so many years, we didn't have to prove a lot. We did start the process two and a half years ago. We are still waiting for the green card and he just got his work visa. So, yeah, now we're just really focused on raising our son to know his his African heritage. My husband is speaking to him exclusively in his home language, and I'm speaking to him exclusively in English, although actually I speak his home language too. So we will have like certain nights of the week where it's home language only, and we only speak that language. And then we have seen 90 Day Fiance. My husband loves it. He thinks it's really funny. I am very frustrated by it because there's so many clearly scam relationships that I do not understand how they passed the visa process because it was such an extensive process for us. And the amount of paperwork alone, I just don't understand how these people got on it. So the only thing I can think is they must have fantastic lawyers because we did it without a lawyer for the first year and a half. And we only hired an attorney in the past year to help us speed stuff along. I am extremely proud of having a I don't want to say a green card marriage because that's not the point. My husband actually never wanted to come to America and is still kind of salty about living in America. But I am extremely proud of all the things that I've learned in our relationship. You know, the new languages, the, the cultural sensitivity. And I'm extremely proud of our relationship. We have a very, very strong and mature and fun and supportive relationship. And I'm really proud of our kids. He's really cool. For anyone who's out there who's thinking about it, I would say, you know, you need to be really tough to do this. If you can't stand being apart for months at a time, not knowing if or when you'll ever be together again, if you aren't willing to sacrifice literally a third of your paycheck to immigration and lawyer fees, I mean, we've spent half, a full half of my paycheck last year went to paying lawyer fees and immigration fees and things related to it, literally half. So if you're not willing to sacrifice everything, I would say don't do it because it is so hard and it demands everything from you. But it can be really great. And it is really great. We have known each other since August of 2018 when we met in uh, Brooklyn and we have been married uh since uh july 2020 i am i'm from new york i'm from america she is from france she's from toulouse which is in the south of france and we are very much in love in a committed happy relationship together we met on tinder and that date turned into us hanging out almost every single day um i learned that she had an internship um and she was actually going to France in six weeks because her internship was over and we just hit it off in so many different levels and we just had this like frantic mid-20s like sex of like hanging out all the time fucking and just you know I just like I thought the world of her it was amazing like we just were like going at a thousand miles per hour and uh, I just wanted to learn everything I could about this girl and when it finally came to the end, we didn't know what was going to happen. She went back to France, uh, finish up her master's because her internship was over. And uh, we were keeping in touch. Uh, we were both a little bit callous to think that we could do a long distance relationship, especially since I had had multiple long distance relationships that were also always lackluster and short lived. Um, they were not with people from out of the country, though, they were always with people within the country. And even that, you know, with a much shorter distance and much easier to see them uh, was always difficult. So I, although we really hit it off and everything was really great, um, I just was too much of a pessimist to really pursue things. But we kept in touch and uh, we talked a lot 
in December, getting up December, I basically made a very last minute decision to jump on a plane and see her for uh, New Year's. Um, so we were alone in this house, just hanging out, going to you know clubs and having great dinners together. And she was cooking for me, and we were just having a great time together. And that you know that morning, uh, New Year's morning, I um, broke down crying, and she asked me what was wrong. I basically told her that I had you know I loved her, and uh, I I hadn't said that to anybody in years. The last person I said that to, I got really hurt. So, and that was like, at that point it was like five years ago. You know, I really told her my intention. I, I really wanted to be with her and I wanted us not to be wishy-washy and like this open bullshit where we we're still talking to each other. My, my real intention of going there was to tell her that I loved her and, and start dating her. And that's, that's what happened. We started doing a long distance relationship. We just uh, kept on plugging away until that August, which I guess at that point was a year after we met. She moved back. She came back. She got an a, uh, internship, got an apartment together. You know, she had a, a temporary visa at the time, a work visa. Um, and after a year in the beginning of 2020, she was doing a really good job uh, for this company. She was working and it looked like everything was lined up for them to pay for her visa to work for the company. And I mean, you know, I, we were stoked because we knew the, the other option was that we were going to married so yeah covid hit right when it looked like we were going to be okay and we went and we went back we went to my parents my parents have a place in upstate new york and we stayed there for six months together and we basically came to the terms that we had to get married and the only person i could get to officiate the wedding was a one-eyed monk named tenrai shout out to you tenrai you did a great job uh, we're still married um, it's been, uh, almost three years now. So thank you, buddy. Um, but yeah, we got married. My, my sister was the witness. Uh, my cat was there, coconut and, uh, yeah, got married in our living room. You know, I, I come from a, a very straightforward family. Uh, so when I told everyone that I was getting married, it's girl who, you know, was from France and. A lot of my family hadn't even met her yet because we'd only been dating for like a year and a half and COVID was happening. And, you know, the, the whole COVID thing made things even a little crazier. So there was a lot of skepticism for my family immediately. Um, but when they saw how serious we were and met her, you know, things were alleviated a bit, uh, especially even my friends had come and talked to me privately about if I was really going, going on with this. And I, you know, my, my mind was made up and there was a stigma there where, where, you know, Americans have gotten taken advantage of for their citizenship by foreign nationals. Um, but, you know, Cassandra is an educated, smart woman who could be successful fucking anywhere she goes. So the fact that she's choosing to be here in America and be with me. Um, and you know, she has a lot of values where she wants to earn her keep. She really wants to work herself. She really is an independent woman. And that's a bunch of qualities that I really appreciate about her and us getting married was just a way of us continuing our relationship. And that's really, you know, how I, how I saw and still see things. Written submission number one. My partner and I have been together officially for one year. Unofficially, we've been together for six months longer than that. I'm American and he's British. We are currently engaged and have been as of the last eight months. Our wedding date is still TBD pending his divorce. We met online, but not in the way most people do. My partner is a very notable figure in his industry, and I first caught his attention by being a reply girl and a fan for about four months before I say our relationship unofficially began. I was always there in the thread, bigging him up, first to like the post, first to share it. Post notifications were definitely on, and it worked. One weekend, we stayed up all night long DMing each other. We were so compatible and we just kept saying we were literally the same person. 
It felt like a dream and a believable, albeit fantastical, love story, except for a few minor details. One, he lived in the UK and I lived in America, and two, he was married. We hadn't even FaceTimed for the first time before he told her that he believed their marriage was over, and she agreed. The truth is, it had been over for a long time, and when I came into the picture, it just further confirmed what he already felt. After that was settled, the next step was meeting in person. COVID travel guidelines were still quite strict at that time, and British citizens couldn't come into America directly. So he bought me a first-class ticket to come to him, and a month to the day of us starting to talk, I was on my way to meet him in person. Six months later, I was packing my life up into three suitcases, selling my car and informing my landlord I wouldn't be re-signing my lease, with no backup plan, no visa, and no idea what the fuck I was doing. We had spent a total of 14 days together, combined in six months, between tiny trips to meet in New York or LA. We knew that the distance was a challenge to our relationship, and with my lease ending, it felt like as good of a time as any to dive in headfirst, no life jacket. The plan was to move to the UK and get engaged within the first six months of my tourist visa. I'll never forget how border control treated me when I arrived in the UK. They asked me how much money was in my bank account, questions about my relationship, and called my partner to confirm the story. They treated me like I had been trafficked there or like I was part of some sham marriage scheme. Anyways, the only thing that could stop us and hinder our plan was the one thing that probably should have been settled first, his divorce. You can't apply for a fiancé visa while one party is legally married, even if they have been separated or petitioned for the divorce. Weeks went by and there was still no news about the divorce petitions being approved. And then it was months. Fast forward to over a year since I made the move and the divorce still isn't finalized. As the six months allotted for a tourist visa began to near its end, we had to do something. We consulted with immigration lawyers and although we weren't eligible for a fiancé visa, my partner had his own company so we were told by our counsel that our best option was for him to employ me and provide residence to me via a skilled worker visa. This was an exhaustive process. First, his company had to apply to become a sponsor. Then I had to apply for the job, be hired, and apply for my work visa. When I left the UK after my six months were up, we didn't even know if we had made it past phase one yet. But just a week into my time back in America waiting for news, we found out he was approved to sponsor visas. This meant we basically had to, ins had to start the entire waiting process again. And as we then waited for my visa to be approved, sorry, this is so much. I had to travel to three states during this process, one for waiting, one for visiting the British consulates, and one for receiving my visa. Most of the people close to us knew that he was still married at the time we got engaged. The people who knew about the visa hoops we had to jump through, like our best friends and family, thought it was extra difficult for no reason, but they knew it wouldn't be enough to stop us. We are crazy in love and crazy about each other. We never made a grand posting or announcement about our engagement and have tried our best to keep the relationship under wraps so as to not upset the soon-to-be ex-wife. We have it on strong authority to believe that she lied, dragged her feet, and changed her mind a hundred times in order to create further obstacles for us to be together. I mean, she misspelled his name on the divorce petition application the first time, which set us back six weeks. Sure, mistakes are made and accidents happen, but are mistakes like that really accidents? The total cost of the entire process, including sponsorship and visa applications, lawyer fees, travel, Airbnbs, and more, was over 30,000 pounds or about $35,000. Not to mention the fact that we still have to do the process again for my spouse visa when we do get married. I try to think about what our life would be like if we weren't lucky enough to be in a position to financially afford the burden of working around the system like this. I would have been living in America for the last six months, still waiting for my partner's divorce to finalize. As far as the gold digger stigma goes, I'm sure that his accountant, who signs my, quote, pay stubs every month, has his concerns, but that's all in good conscience. And he knows we're doing it for love. 
I had and still have a thriving career outside of my legal employment as a tier one visa worker for my still married British fiance's company. Shows like 90 Day Fiance make it look so fucking easy. The shit we went through was treacherous. I'll report back when it's time to submit that spousal visa. Hopefully it's any day now, which is a phrase I've heard for the last 18 months. So my partner and I were together for about four years, kind of seeing each other for four years, but it was serious for about three and got married pretty much in the first like 10 months of us being somewhat serious. I'm the American citizen, she's from Belgium. Yeah, so we basically met at Soho House in the West Village. Um, She was with like a friend I went to high school with. I was really high. Yeah, we kind of started dating and then it stopped for a little bit. I went to rehab, (laughs) there was like a whole story. I didn't treat her right and she was like, I don't wanna see you. I like left rehab, was vulnerable. She had a boyfriend at the time and I kind of made them break up um, to have her. And yeah, honestly, I was just being lazy. It was easy. It's hard to be newly sober and single. Going on dates sucked. And she was like the only thing I kind of knew that was close to home with a language kind of thing as well. You know, as the relationship kind of progressed, I realized she was kind of doing shady shit to be able to be in the US. So she was initially like on a student visa from like a fashion school in Italy. Um, that had expired. So she basically was stuck in the US because if she left, she couldn't come back in. So she hadn't seen her family in like two years. And she had a job actually. She was working at Blade, where like literally one of those Blade girls that like welcome you when you get a helicopter ride and just like wears a slutty outfit. But anyway, she told me she had a fake social security. That's how she could get paid that she bought in the Bronx. Um, that like a guy told her to go meet this guy. And I was like, okay, this is nonsense. You have to stop that. Like you'll get arrested. That's fucking identity theft and fraud and whatever. Um, This is no joke. And she was like, I know, but I like, I need to find a solution. Like I need a green card. So the idea started to kind of, you know, be put on the table. And I obviously didn't think for a second, I'm going to marry her right now for that but she started really hinting at that friend from new jersey which i barely knew and you know my kind of jealousy it was a toxic relationship so like my jealous trait was like the fuck why would you get married with your quote-unquote friend from new jersey who has all these nice cars anyways it pissed me off um and so being the impulsive person i am i literally said okay let's go let's do it i didn't tell my family (laughs) Like, I knew that they would be so pissed. Um, I did sign some sort of prenup that, like, I printed from the internet. (laughs) My friends were kind of shocked and were just, like, classic, like, you're the only person that would do something so fucking important, like, on an impulse. Um, There was definitely some disapproval, um, speculation that my partner, you know, was taking advantage of me for sure. I mean, it was romantic, and adventurous, like it was a real legit relationship where we moved in together a few months after the marriage. <laughs> um, and I was going the flow because I was attracted physically and I kind of liked the chaos. You know, I, I was a different person back then too. Like I was kind of addicted. It was like my new addiction was being toxic with another human being, to be honest. We had one interview. It was actually kind of routine. The weirdest it got is like when you know, the guy was like, you don't have any wedding pictures. <laughs> because we didn't. Like, we didn't really have a wedding. My fucking parents didn't know until we got divorced um, years later. What was weird, I think, was when he unlocked the phone and kind of went through, like, Instagram and, like, <laughs> had to timestamp and, time and show back, like, pictures of us as a couple. Um, and honestly, it was easy because I, I'm... Uh, I'm a dual citizen, so the fact that I was French and she's from a French-speaking country helped and basically the excuse is that we haven't had the money yet to go back and have a wedding in our native language land. But it was on. I mean, the guy knew, to be honest. Like, I didn't... 
I think we had a bit of a case of like white privilege of the guy was like, okay, these two are clearly marrying for her to get the green card, but it, they seem legit. You know, they seem batshit crazy, but they seem <laughs> they seem like a legit couple. And at the end of the day, that's what they are out for. That being said, you know, we separated in like 29, summer of 2019. And so she got the two-year green card and then to get the 10-year one was a bit tricky because we weren't together, we were separated. So she asked me to write like letters explaining and like candidly explain that it was a normal relationship. Well, normal, as as much as it is normal. This whole relationship was a bit of a scam to me. She said horrible things after, during. Um, I do feel completely used. Um, you know, I told my parents once the divorce was final, which was um, summer 21, so not long ago. Um, you know, I was dating another girl at the time and still married. But when I told my parents, they were extremely pissed. But most importantly, my mom <laughs> said, tu es un pigeon, which literally means you're a pigeon. And basically what that means in French is that um, you're a person that gets scammed because, you know, pigeons just come over to eat um, anything on the ground. Um, it's a pretty graphic and mean expression. But basically she was like, yeah, this woman completely used you. Do I regret the relationship? No. Do I regret the marriage? 100%. It was a lot of paperwork to get a divorce. The whole process was like something I don't wish on my worst enemy. For some reason, 24-year-old me thought that um, you could get a divorce as easily as you get married. <laughs> and uh, I learned it the hard way. My husband and I have actually been together for over eight years. I'm from the U.S. and he is from El Salvador. We got married. We had our civil wedding in order to start the green card process back in 2020. It was crazy because the borders to El Salvador were closed for six months so we couldn't see each other. Um, and then as soon as they opened, we had our civil wedding so that we could start the green card process. And later on, we had a big wedding with all of our family. We actually met in Argentina he had lived there for six or seven years, and I just went for a summer study abroad program. And he was in my classes, so we're together around each other for, I think, four or five weeks. He was really sweet, and he wanted to show me around. He took me and my classmates out and invited us to dinners and to parties so that we could meet people. And we kind of started dating, I'll call it, by the end of the trip. and. When I left, I, I cried because I thought, I'll never see this guy again. But he wanted to keep talking after we left. And we didn't know, you know where it was going to go or if anything was going to happen. But we kept talking, talking WhatsApp and Skype at that time. And we kept in touch and we decided, okay, we want, we want to be together. So he moved back to El Salvador around six or eight months later. And we started traveling back and forth. So I would go see him. He would go see me. We would meet in random places wherever we could find cheap flights. I traveled with just a personal item for, you know, I think six or seven years just because it was cheaper. It was a couple hundred bucks or less to go meet him. So it was kind of a crazy lifestyle, but we were lucky enough where we got to see each other pretty consistently for years. When I met him, I was like, oh, I was meant to meet this man. I really didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't trying to meet anyone, but I knew that for some reason he was meant to tour my life. You know, we started dating really young. I think I, I was about to turn 21. He's a couple years older. We didn't get married for years because we were so young. And, but we had always talked about it. So we kind of have more, tradi more traditional relationship in that sense where we had a lot of time to spend together and eventually we decided okay we're ready to start our life officially together move to the same country and the green card process because we knew it's going to be a long time for that to go through there's definitely a lot of assumptions and stigmas about long distance relationships cross-border relationships i've had all kinds of insane questions people feel like they can 
you know, push their opinions on to you or ask you really personal questions. People would say, oh, you don't worry about, you know, each other cheating. And it's like, people cheat when they sleep in the same bed with each other. So there's a lot of stigmas around long distance relationships in that way. There's not a different, really different socioeconomic difference between me and him, we grew up with a similar background, education, travel experiences. So there was never that aspect like you see sometimes in like 90 Day Fiance, where one seems to be the gold digger getting, you know, more out of the relationship or more benefit in that way than the other person. When we, you know, went to meet each other's families and and friends for the beginning of the relationship was very, very difficult. And, you know, he was still kind of learning English and I knew very little Spanish. So we were still trying to communicate while managing, you know, traveling across, you know, countries and all the stress and chaos that comes with that and meeting each other's families that didn't, and friends that didn't speak the same language. So it was complicated and it was not fun in the beginning and we had to learn a lot and meet learn to meet in the middle so I would say the most difficult part of our relationship was in the very beginning we didn't have that honeymoon phase where everything was perfect we had the phase of oh man how do we you know figure this out we had to learn each other's languages the interview process for the marriage green card they do ask some like kind of some standard questions that you would hear on you know, when you do your global entry or something, they make sure you're not like a terrorist or a communist, et cetera. But so those are kind of the only off-color questions that they would ask, but mostly, and they didn't interview me, just my husband. And they just, you know, make sure that addresses, locations, timelines line up, just logistical things so that they're able to actually verify them. And compare them with what we submitted versus what he's saying. So nothing really crazy there. So we've been, now we've been in the U.S. for over a little over six months now. We moved here and we moved to a new city together. And we're really happy. I'm getting emotional. That is a really kind of long, crazy, like draining journey when I think back on it. And a lot of people would say, oh, your relationship must have been you know, perfect. And it's a dream. And it's like, yeah, it is dreamy, but it's also extremely stressful and a lot of hard, hard work. And then some people would say, oh, that must be terrible being long distance. Or you'd say, no, it's such an adventure. So it's really somewhere in the middle. And we're so happy that despite the difficult process, we're finally together and in a good place. Written submission number two. My husband and I have been together for five years and married for three. I am the American citizen and he is from Germany. We met during a study abroad program in Barcelona through a mutual friend in 2018 and married in 2020. I think there was a spark because we became exclusive pretty fast. We went back to our native country six weeks after meeting each other and we did long distance for about two years before we got married. We would visit each other every month for three to four weeks at a time. For example, I would visit Germany for one month, return to the U.S., and he would visit the U.S. for three to four weeks a month later. We would aim to Skype and FaceTime for at least one hour each day. There were days where it was impossible, but we never went a day without at least communicating through text or WhatsApp. Strangely, our marriage did not feel rushed. Neither of us felt like we were moving too fast, even though I was 21 and he was 25. And we still do not regret the decision after three years of marriage, despite the inevitable disagreements and problems married couples experience. The whole process of submitting the initial application to finally obtaining the visa took about a year. The interview was pretty straightforward. Some questions were weird, like if he planned to engage in espionage or if he was part of a terrorist group. I think we also had to send pictures of the wedding as well. A few days after our wedding in the U.S., he mo- he, we moved to Germany, excuse me, so I could start my business school program. However, living in Germany was a hard adjustment for me with respect to the culture, language, and climate. The winters made me very depressed, and finding a good finance job seemed understandably out of reach since I did not speak fluent German. My husband didn't think it was right for me to settle for any job I could get, given that I worked hard to get my master's degree. 
Thus, moving to the U.S. seemed like the most appropriate next step. I think my husband acclimated pretty well to living in America. Of course, he misses his family and friends, but he still really loves the U.S. and the positive mindset Americans generally have. He has an affinity for cars, American cars and culture as well, so he genuinely enjoys living here. I'm obsessed with 90 Day Fiancé, but to be honest, the show got really trashy and I couldn't watch it throughout our whole visa application process because it would make me mad that some of the people were able to get a visa even though they had bad intentions, while we were experiencing uncertainty and many months without updates due to COVID. I think some of the couples show how it really is to go through the process, like Lauren and Alexi, but I feel like the producers purposely hire the biggest train wrecks for ratings. We joked about applying, but knew we'd be too boring for the show. What I learned in life is that family and friends show their true colors when you go through life-changing events, and this was one of them. Some people were very excited for me and others were very judgmental, saying that he doesn't actually love me and these people, quote unquote, just want a green card because apparently the world envies the U.S. It also didn't help that growing up, I was the unofficial but obvious ugly friend and sister and my husband was the first boyfriend I ever had. I thought people would be happy for me for being resilient and finally finding someone in my life who genuinely loves me, but I lost many friends. I think there's a lot of jealousy from others when you're happy. I come from a small town where people are very ignorant and negative, so I think people were resentful that I left for a better life and figured out how to survive, succeed, and travel the world on my own. At the time we were dating, he made more money than I did because he started his first post-grad job and I was still in college. However, our families both come from the same socioeconomic background. Of course, each of our families had their concerns, but since we would visit each other often, our families saw that we were very trusting and respectful of one another. We would research each other's cultures and little gestures made a huge impact. For example, I come from a Mexican family and my parents are very traditional. In the Mexican culture, it is typical for the man to ask the girlfriend's father for permission to marry her, and my husband learned Spanish to ask my dad, and my dad was very honored. Like I said, we're still together and happy. Unfortunately, we are not on the same page with kids. He wants a few and I don't want any, but I'm sure it's because I'm still in my mid-twenties, so I can see myself changing my mind in the future. So me and my ex-husband were together for a total of eight years, and we were married for four of those. He is from Rhode Island. I am Peruvian. I moved to the U.S. Uh, when I was seven years old, so I am bicultural. I did grow up as an illegal immigrant from age seven through age 18. As illegal immigrants, we cannot have a license, we cannot have credit cards, you do not have a social security card. On paper, you are a ghost. By the time I was 18, though, DACA had become a... Um, a law in action or an executive action. DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So that allowed any person that came here uh, at age 16 or younger to um, be able to get a work permit for two years and also get a social security number. So that was the first time in my life I was able to kind of be a regular person. Before that, I thought I wouldn't be able to go to college, have a regular job, and drive legally. Um, so I meet my uh, ex-husband at our job, which is a call center. He was actually 30 at the time, so there was already a power dynamic, huge imbalance. In hindsight, I see why my sister and my family didn't approve of our relationship in the beginning because it's just not okay for somebody that much older to be pursuing me. But he was living in his sister's garage. He actually also had no license and no car. And I feel like because my upbringing had that as like a normalized reality, 
I didn't quite see those as red flags uh, and more so as something that um, I understood were just hardships of life. Fast forward, we're together three years. We were living together at this point. My family is really questioning why I haven't gotten married, especially because they see that I am the main breadwinner. My ex like could never keep a job long term. He would either constantly quit or get fired after uh, three months or so. It wasn't until Trump went into office that we really decided to get married. And the funny part was like, okay, we got married, but in order to file for your permanent residency and to become legal, you have to pay the fees, which are around $1,000 when I did this. And you really want to get a lawyer on top of that to make sure that this is filed correctly and um, you don't waste your money because if you mess it up, you have to refile. We could not afford that. We were living off of cash advances and pawning things to literally pay off their bare minimum bills and living expenses. So it wasn't until two years later of us being married that my grandmother um, paid for this for us. As far as like what my friends and family thought, they on my end, they were like, finally you did it and finally you actually got <laughs> your permanent residency what they didn't see and i still lived a double life essentially was the fact that um at that point it was abusive verbally he also abused me physically during this time he, he just had no care or couldn't even care he actually was diagnosed with bipolar disorder he erratically would quit jobs because he felt overwhelmed by them so he just kind of I was not able to be a partner and um, that made me feel trapped with him because I felt immense guilt as to if I ever left him I would leave him with nothing I would leave him potentially homeless I was scared that he would seek revenge on me if I did ever leave him so fast forward to today um, we are divorced um, I left him in 2021 do I think 90 day fiance um, got it right? I do. Um, my story and everybody's story regarding great car marriages is unique. And I feel like the more light that you can get on it, the better. Um, is it also <laughs> exploiting uh, this? Of course, but it's reality TV. Overall, uh, my feelings on green card marriages at, at this time, they're uh, a necessity because we have a system in place that uh, doesn't give us any good options. Even DACA right now is something that is temporary and will will require you to renew uh, everything, pay $500 uh, to just be a normal human every two years, even though that this is supposed, even though this is supposed to be a law that protects people who came here as children against their will, they did not have a choice. Um, and for all intents and purposes, we're quote unquote, I guess, American. Written submission number three. I am the American citizen with my former partner being from Scotland. He was a rugby playing, pipe drinking idiot that my 19 year old self was completely enthralled with. Now, being 31, I would have gone back and slapped 19-year-old me. My partner and I are not together any longer due to him deciding to try to fuck my best friend while we were all in the same room sleeping after a big bender. This was also only six months after we got married. I later found out that while I was working 75 plus hours a week to support us, since he hadn't received his green card yet or a work visa, he was out hooking up with many randos at the bars. Super fun. Taking it all the way back to the beginning, I had a girlfriend who was from the Cayman Islands. We were both working promotional modeling jobs in LA, which is how we met and really hit it off. She had some connections back in Cayman that got us a free flight to model for Miller Lite for Pirates Week, which is like carnival for Cayman. We flew down there and she mentioned her ex-boyfriend who was still renting a room from her siblings at their home. 
I didn't really think anything of it and was just excited for the opportunity to go. But her ex-boyfriend ended up being my now ex-green card husband, which is absolutely the shittiest and completely out of character for me. But he was ungodly attractive, charismatic, just everything I thought my 19-year-old self wanted in a man. It was definitely an immediate attraction, but as you can guess, caused some really strange situations while we were there. We were sneaking off to make out and would be all over each other. My friend ended up finding out and surprisingly was not as pissed as I thought she'd be. But she was very fluid with her sexual experiences and I think didn't really care because she kept herself busy in every single outing we ever had. We were there for nine days, partied like crazy, and then I flew back to LA feeling like I was losing a part of myself by never seeing him again. I confused lust for love in a really big way. Time goes by and I end up moving back home to Nebraska as I wasn't able to find any more work in LA. Scottish boy and I kept in constant contact, but hadn't seen each other in months. More time goes by and he moves back to Scotland. And feeling like we couldn't spend another second without each other, I booked a flight there. Living in Scotland for six months was one of the best experiences. I was able to travel to nine different countries and I don't regret it one bit. Once my travel visa was about to expire, Scottish boy decided that he wanted to come back with me to the States. Customs was an absolute shit show because he didn't have a return flight. I think we spent almost three hours trying to convince them to let him through. It was probably a sign, to be honest. When coming to the U.S. on a travel visa, you only have three months. During this time, we decided to move to Denver, Colorado. We were living with one of my mom's childhood friends, and the date just kept getting closer and closer for him to have to leave. So we made the decision to get married and go through the immigration process to make him a legal citizen. And this was all before I was 21 years old. My mom was on board with our marriage, but my brother emailed me numerous times telling me I was making a huge mistake. Obviously, at that time, I thought he just didn't get it. I always hated telling people he was my fiance or that we were getting married or even calling him my husband. I was embarrassed because this was not a typical romantic decision, but one that we were sort of being forced into if we wanted to be together. I honestly think it was my gut warning me, but of course I didn't listen to any intuition. People dealt with it out of respect for me and not for the marriage. By the time we actually got married, I was already noticing his wandering eye and his lack of motivation to even try to get a cash paying job. Meanwhile, I was working three jobs, barely having time to come home to shower before I had to go to my next shift. But I felt like the ball is already rolling and I can't go back now. The interview process was absolutely grueling. I don't remember exactly how long it took, but it felt like an eternity. We had to know what kind of toothpaste we prefer, what brand of perfume or cologne we liked, specific dates of every interaction, proof of email and message exchanges. They asked him how much the ring was. It was uncomfortable, to put it lightly. Although we ultimately left feeling confident, the thought that one decision made from the interviewer could change our entire lives was a pretty uneasy feeling. As I said, it came to a screeching halt around the six-month mark after I found out that I was being cheated on religiously. I told him through text he had three days to pack up all his shit and get the fuck out, and when I got back, he was gone. And honestly, I was not as heartbroken as someone who just got married should have felt. He would try to reach out and I would just delete it, which eventually led me to truly deleting him out of my life. I have no idea what his status is now if he's working under the table. Apparently, he's still in Colorado with two baby mamas. He reached out to me via Facebook a few years back, asking me to write up a letter indicating that our marriage was actually real and not just for a green card. I didn't even respond. It didn't feel like a marriage to me, more like a very dumb, drunk decision. I mean, even to this day, I rarely even tell anyone that I was married, mainly from embarrassment, but also from hardly even counting it. I think that two people who are truly in love have it tough when trying to get a green card and live in the States. It was a pretty intense and expensive process that I'm sure many people cannot go through. As for my personal experience, I feel dumb, but I'm not hard on myself about it. I have grown leaps and bounds, and the experiences that I had shaped who I am today. And I'm damn proud of myself now.
Once again, degenerate ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who identify as neither, I'm Allie Weiss, and you've been listening to Tales of Taboo. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Allie Weiss World, and the podcast on TikTok at Tales of Taboo. If you enjoyed what you heard, and you know what, especially if you didn't, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. It's truly the quickest and easiest way to support the show. I know all podcasters ask for this, but my case is unique because the easier it is for new listeners to find the show, the more anonymous confessions we potentially have access to, and the bigger and more impactful the show can become. I also have the cutest sweatshirts and G-strings emblazoned with Degenerate available as merch, which you can purchase from me via Instagram DM. Again, that's at Allie Weiss World. I have sizes small through 2XL available. Tales of Taboo is conceived, produced, and narrated by me, Allie Weiss. Audio production by Isabel McMahon, Christophopoulos, WTF Media, and Gotham Production. Cover photo by Erica Flynn. Cover art by Kristen Montenegro. Theme song by Christathopoulos. And, of course, none of this would be possible without the time, effort, and trust of each and every anonymous confessor. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.